Hello. Oh, hello. How's it going, Chris? Oh. Wow. Finally, nice to like you know, the connection here. How's it going? Doing well. How are you? Oh, good. Thanks for asking. Very good. Hello, hello. the family. Okay. Good to see you. So much both for being here. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for organizing this. Of course. Thank you. And you're both from the West Coast, so I can imagine how sunny it is there earlier. It was like 30 or 40 degrees earlier, so not not too fun being here on the East Coast. Today was super sunny and nice, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> okay, don't brag. Yeah, it's cold here. <laughs> uh, we're in Seattle right now. Yeah, is it cold? Yeah, I heard Cali's like pretty nice right now, so send some nice. of that sunshine over. <laughs> It brought us all together. If you could first please introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Tate Masanaga. I'm originally from Hawaii, but living in Seattle. Um, I've been practicing dentistry for about about four years out of dental school. So did a residency AGD in Washington. Loved it. And I've just been in the mainland ever since. Yay. Well, Hawaii. I went there back in March or April. And I don't know how you left that. When I was there, me and my were like... We're going to stay here forever. But was it at like a different place, Seattle and Hawaii? Oh, very different. Hawaii was an, it's an, it's an incredible place to grow up. It's warm and it's always sunny and you got the beaches everywhere. The people are incredible. It's a very aloha spirit. It's a culture of acceptance and love. So that was like, you know, it's a mixing pot of everything. So, and it taught me, made me who I am today. Seattle, also similar. It's just, you got the four seasons there and you can just keep driving on a road without running into an ocean, which is nice. Drive up north, you're in Vancouver, Canada, and then south, and you're in Portland, Oregon. So yeah, I, I love it here a lot. Yeah, what we noticed was everyone in Hawaii was like so nice. <laughs> I wanted to set up the lives because... I think it's so interesting to like learn about different professions, especially within the healthcare field. And I feel like it's so encouraging to hear the journey it took to get there. And I know, for example, dentists, there's so many questions about how to get to that point. You know, it's like such a long road because it's a doctorate degree. And then you're practicing afterwards, you have your own practice. And I think we could start with you is what were your inspirations for going into dentistry? Like, did you always want to do this when you were a kid or was there a family member who's a dentist or a friend? Yeah. So I have about 13 people in my family who are either dentists or dental specialists there. So my dad and my grandfather were both uh, orthodontists. So mm -hmm. I got a lot of family members in it. And then I just happened to like work on my hands a lot. I love the people interaction, but before dentistry, I wanted to be, I was interested in architecture or even marine biology, but I ended up going with dentistry because I guess as I got older and I started shadowing more, then it got more interesting. And yeah, it just, it just seemed to work. Awesome. Yeah. So I'll tell you guys my story. I went to UCLA kind of knowing that I was interested in science and health in general, but I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do. Coming in, I just assumed that I wanted to be a doctor because that's just kind of what made sense for me to go into. And my first couple quarters at UCLA, I tanked. I basically struggled super hard. <laughs> I came in, probably had too much fun, and uh, found myself in a tough spot because I was like, you know, if this goes on, I don't think I can be a doctor. <laughs> so I went ahead and, and really thought about like, okay, so if I really want to become one, like, what do I have to do, right? What path should I take? And honestly, that kind of led me down looking at different options as well. So I took a look at other health professions. I mean, 
I'll be honest with you, I looked first at dentistry and other health professions because my GPA wasn't that great, but I don't regret it at all because that's kind of the starting point that helped me to look at other things, right? Without that, I don't think I would have. Mm. If I didn't have that impetus to make me explore, I don't think I would have looked at other options. I probably would have kind of tunnel vision myself, you know? Mm -hmm. So in a way, I consider it a blessing. Not a great one, but it is what it is, right? And so ended up looking at different health professions, looked at dentistry, and it wasn't until I went on a mission trip to Vietnam. It was with a group called Memo, where we kind of volunteered. I did some volunteering both in dentistry and pharmacy and a bunch of different health professions. And overall, dentistry was just the most fun. I had a mentor there who kind of taught me more about what it is. And from there, just kind of ran with it. I studied hard and ended up getting in. And that, that was pretty much my start. Nice. Yeah, thank you guys. Can you explain to people who may not know? Like, what's the road to becoming a dentist, like, academic-wise? Basically, like, kind of like medical school, right? Where it's four years of undergrad, and then you apply to a dental program. And it's also four years for the doctor. Yeah, so, like, if you want to go into dental school, there's not really a major that, like, they say you need to be this major. They just have, like, a bunch of prerequisite classes that you need to pass. So, physics, chemistry, biology to this number, maybe a certain math this number. And as long as your major satisfies them, that's all they need grades need to be decent and you have to take this test called the dat score out of 30 and i think you yeah so it's kind of like the mcat what's the score out of for dat it's uh, out of 30, 30. <laughs> okay okay doctor say okay oh no wait. oh you asked me what was my score yeah oh not 30 I was just, <laughs> sorry i thought you're asking what the score i was not 30 no, i was not 30 i was not 30 i was i think i got a i got i got a 20 which is I thought you were saying oh, I got a 30 and I was like wait how much is that 30? I no like, I, I would not no I have <laughs> never met somebody who got a 30. We did not score 30. I yeah, think so. we did well. I heard that. pretty well on it. Yeah I, I think I yeah I got a 20 so which is like I think what they want there but yeah. I've seen people get in with 19s and even 18s as well so but that 20th range is kind of like you kind of want to shoot for that. For sure yeah I studied hard for it. I, I probably took a whole summer like I was at UCLA during that time, but I basically had that summer just to focus on it and a little bit of work on the side. I mean, at that point, I kind of had the luxury of time, but some people don't. They have to like study for it while they're in school and stuff. Which is too tough. Mm. Uh, I was if you can take the time to do it by itself. And what's in the DHC? Is it like just the sciences and math and stuff like that? Yeah. So there's different subjects, but it takes uh, basic science first. So it's bio, chem. OCHEM, and then there's also a math and reading section. Mm -hmm. But the most interesting one is called the PAT, which is a perceptual ability test. Basically, it's a test of your perceptual ability, I suppose. It has some really interesting and strange, not strange, but interesting questions that kind of test how you're able to see and think about 3D objects or 2D objects and compare that. Because these are really important skills that dentists need to have. Got it. But I think that's, that's a part that's very unique because I don't think other standardized entrance exams have that. Yeah, because dentistry is a very, number one, perceptual, and number two, like, hands-on field. So having those skills are really necessary for you to succeed as a dentist. And it's actually something that weeds out people who don't have that, I guess. Yeah, yeah it's kind of interesting, and it's very unique to dentistry. Are all those four didactics they're all academic or is it rotation i guess it depends on the school you go to so for ohsu 
four years. The first year was almost just strictly academics, strictly classes. Uh, maybe you would go to a clinic here and there just to learn the tools and watch like the upperclassmen do it. Second year, they'll ease you in and maybe have you do a cleaning here and there. And then the last two years of dental school, like you're actually seeing patients and it becomes less and less classes. But so they kind of ease you into it. But I know some schools that just throw you right in. So, but yeah, Kevin, what was your experience? Yeah, I mean, we went to the same school. So kind of the same thing, basically. First two years, we practice on plastic teeth, plastic models, and at the same time, do our didactics. Mm -hmm. And then third and fourth year after that, we jump over to the other side of the school where the clinic is, and you start to work on real patients. You typically will kind of ease into things with like easy fillings, some cleanings, things like that, but eventually you really want to build up and uh, focus on more involved treatments, basically. Got it. And so after those 40, you graduate with your doctorate, and there were questions that were, is there a difference between a DMD and a DB degree? They're both dental degrees, and I think, mm -hmm. you know, what's the difference? DDS is doctor of dental surgery, and then BMD is doctor of dental medicine. They're basically the same thing. It's just different titles. I'm trying to, even I'm trying to like wrap my head around the history of it. Kevin, can you explain it better? So I don't know. However, <laughs> I do know that they are entirely equivalent, and you should not feel any different about going to one or the other because the functions of either degree are exactly the same. It's just that some schools offer one or the other. Yeah. But I guess it's kind of MD and DO thing, right? Where exactly. Yeah, like they're exactly the same. It, I guess it just depends on like which which flash or which letter do you want behind your name? Is it like, do you want Pokemon red version or blue version? I guess that's <laughs> my best analogy I can think of off the top of my head. It's the same thing. Red version and blue version are different. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's the same game though. It's just like maybe different, it's just a different color, and you have a different starter, and then you just have a different fling at the end. It's different, but, it's different. because in Pokemon Red and Blue, you can't get the same Pokemon. Yeah, so then like you have to like buy another cartridge and trade your friends. So, exactly, but, exactly. But, so it's different. But DDS and TNT are exactly the same. Yeah, so that's How, really okay, yeah. Okay, so, but it's the same but, thing. It's like the same game. It's just, yeah, I'm kidding. Whatever okay. is cooler. I'm kidding, but yes, I, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, but DO and MD are, are actually slightly different in their philosophy. I believe they have the exact same functions so, and scope. However, I believe from my understanding that their philosophy of treatment is different, whereas DDS and DMD do not have a difference at all. Exactly the same thing. Yeah. Got it. Well, either DD or DMD, it's like such a long road to get there. And I can imagine only the amount of sacrifices you had to make to get there, right? So it's a lot of time. I can I can imagine like how many parties you had no to um, because you had to study or you had class. <laughs> we oh. went to plenty of parties. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin. <laughs> and I can imagine the amount of, which is so true for a lot of, the amount of student debt that was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you like explain those sacrifices that you have to make? I think the line of thinking you made that you decided on that it was okay for you to make just to get to where you Yeah, so yeah, it's just the amount of sacrifices you had to do. Um for me, like uh like when I went to college, I you know, I, I always pictured college as like being like the how I saw in the movies and stuff like that, where it's like, Hey, we're going to parties and we're actually, you know, doing fun stuff there too. But 
No, it was like, it was all this work and study, study, studies. I was not one of those uh, people who could uh, do both. I just had to like, just really lock down for it. So, I mean, yeah, I went to one here and there and stuff like that. But yeah, it just, you kind of had to just like, if you had a bunch of class, science classes, you had to get certain grade, you just had to just lock down for that. So just sacrificing a lot of like little pleasures to get to down, just to get in, only to sacrifice more. That's kind of like the path that you had to choose. Some people can do both, but I was not one of those. So, mm. well, yeah, be able to do both. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I'll tell you guys my perspective. Like I said, when I went to UCLA, honestly, I got smacked my first two quarters. Like things were hard, and I wasn't prepared for like. I, and by the way, UCLA was my undergrad. So when I went there, I got smacked, and I wasn't prepared really for how hard I had to study for things, and. It wasn't until third or fourth year of undergrad that I met a close friend and he wanted to be a doctor. So he told me that if he wanted to really turn things around, just like me, like both of us did, that we would go and study together every single day after school. And, you know, we'll, we'll take some time. It doesn't matter always how long, maybe sometimes it's short, but we just have to make it a habit to go and do that every single day. And so... I said, yeah, let's do it. And and literally, we did that. Like, after we got home, we would just pack our stuff and then go study. And we just made it a habit to do that, unless something was going on. But otherwise, we would go. It wasn't until I made that habit that I really started to do better in my school. And I ended up doing a lot better my second two years at UCLA than my first year. So that basically built the foundation for me to get into dental school. I will say in dental school, from my experience, the didactics were easier in dental school than they were at UCLA. But the trouble was more so like time management because we had a lot of projects going on. The didactics themselves were, were easier, so I felt like I didn't have to study as hard to do well that way. But more so, I felt like just balancing all of the projects they would throw at us, going to the sim clinic, and I wasn't like a natural, like, clinician to start so i had to do a lot more practice than other people i felt like but just like anything you get a lot better with time practice repetition time and especially dentistry it's like something that comes with experience and repetition so yeah that was my experience you get a lot better with practice and how long have you both been practicing as dentists now yeah i'm fresh i graduated last may so my time has been about a year and a half almost now nice how about you take about three years out of resident or four years out of dental school, uh, graduated 2017, 18 did an HE residency. So three years out of, you know, without and like actually legit practicing without like any grades or supervision. So mm-hmm. where'd you go to HE? Uh, I did at health point in Tequila. It's like the community health. So kind of started my journey in community health and then I decided I want to try private practice. So, and I've just been, I don't own a clinic, but I work at private practices as an associate dentist. So the benefit of that is you just show up to work, you do dentistry, do your notes, and then you go home and you don't have to worry about managing employees and stuff like that. So for sure. Yeah. And how does life look right after? Like, is there residence or is it something that you can choose to if you wanted to? Dentistry kind of gives you options. If you would like, you can go out and go straight to work, which is pretty much what I did. At this stage, a lot of people may choose to go into further education, which may include either a one-year residency, two-year residency, or even three and four if you're going into like a specialty. 
So the one and two year residencies are typically for general dentistry. So you'll go deeper into like subjects within general dentistry. And if you're going into a specialty of a specific topic, like braces, like endodontics, which is root now, or oral surgery, there's others. If you want to delve deeper into like singular subjects, then you'll go on for like three or four or even six years. It's all optional though. Got it. Yeah, I guess a lot of people were asking, and I was asking too before, uh, wait, what's an endodontist? What's an orthodontist? What's, a, <laughs> yeah. what, what's all these dentists? Are they all dentists? I, I had two root canals in the One of them got infected before, and then the dentist was like, oh, you have to go to, uh, to the endodontist. You're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> when I went to that dentist, they were like, oh, you got to now go to the other dentist. I was like, what if it, what if all these <laughs> Uh, it's an endless chain, right? Yeah, it's an endless chain. So it's basically there are special uh, specialties within dentistry, well, right? But for yeah. both, of, it's general dentistry, like what you're practicing right now. Oh, both. I'm just doing I'm just doing GP or general dentistry. Same, yeah. yeah. Do you think there's those top three like going forward today? You'll like, oh, for sure, I'll see three things. What are those most common things that you see in a general day for general dentistry? So the bread and butter dentistry. Yeah. So the bread and butter is just uh, regular tooth fillings or composites, crowns, extractions, and then cleanings or what we call prophies and SRPs or scaling cleanings, which is like deep cleanings. So if you have stuff trapped underneath your gum, then we have to go and dig for it. Yeah, exactly. Like the majority of your day consists of seeing patients, looking for what they need. You know, most of the time with patients, they don't even know what they need or if they have problems. And I'll tell you a story. Basically, I did. I had not a lot of sympathy for patients who walked around with a mouthful of cavity for a long time. Like, I wondered how people could walk around and have a bunch of cavities in their mouth and not come in and get them handled. Until one day, I went to visit my dentist, which is my uncle. I got some x-rays, and I realized that I had a huge cavity sitting within my tooth. And honestly, when I looked at it, I, I had my eyes blown up because I was like I had no idea that was there and it didn't hurt I didn't feel it and honestly the experience getting it like cleaned out cutting out an onlay on which is like a porcelain filling was not fun at all and so since that experience I've had a lot more sympathy for number one patients who don't you know don't come in and get their teeth proactively fixed and also just for like the patient experience, which I realized is just not fun, you know? Like coming to us, it's not a whole lot of fun. So it's our jobs to make people feel as comfortable. Yeah. And I feel like on those bread and butter, like filling or teeth cleaning, I feel like there's some dentists who don't understand the magnitude, the gravity of the great work that they do. Like a person's smile mean the whole world oh, yeah. i had a patient before who had both her front missing and even when she talks to me even if it's just the two of us in the room like i cover it with and i was like yeah. you should smile more and she was like oh i have no i can't <laughs> you know and your role as dentist is not only to like physically feel, feel those empty spots in their mouth but like you feel that confidence, you know, that you try to restore that smile that people try to hide. And 
with that being said, I can imagine how rewarding it is, right? As some dentists, for you, do you have like a things that you think are the most rewarding aspects of being a yeah i guess um for me like what makes it rewarding is seeing like that like, kind of how i explained it where like you, you have a patient let's say she's missing a tooth or just unhappy with her smile it's not just the teeth there this is not just like oh i can't chew it's like this is kind of like my self-esteem here and kind of like my, my self-identity so to like kind of watch somebody transform when like they see like wow i never even knew i could even have that smile they come become a completely different person so they still start going out with friends. They'll start to do things, take care of themselves even more. Yeah, so it's like there's a huge, there's a huge psychological aspect of it too. That's you know that will just encourage them to just live life more. So to kind of like see that that impact is like what makes dentistry worth it to me. Definitely, yeah. You know they have a concept called uh, emotional dentistry, mm-hmm. which is essentially dentistry that plays to people's emotions and impacts them beyond it, it impacts them emotionally basically is, is what it is right and within emotional dentistry you have things like replacement of teeth that's that's a very emotional moment for you and your patient right and you have things like aesthetics stuff that people can feel more confident about you can collaborate with them you have things like big health issues stuff like pain right is a huge emotional part of dentistry i mean there's many others but i think those are really where the satisfaction of dentistry lie. It's stuff where you can make an emotional impact on people and tap into that and make them feel more confident, make them feel better, make them feel good about being there with you. And I think that's where really like it makes me and all dentists, I feel like that's what really makes it worth it. You know? Yeah, I can imagine. And I want to tie that back then to where we talk about all the sacrifices that you make thus far. Is it worth it um, at this point in time, everything that you've been through? Absolutely. It's absolutely worth it. <laughs> I'm still trying to think of the words right now. Kevin, you want to take over? Let me think of my answer. Yeah, so I'll say this. Like, it, it depends on the person. Okay, so for me personally, I truly actually enjoy dentistry a lot. Like, I really, number one, enjoy being around people. Like, I like talking to people. And that's a big part of being a dentist, right? It's just like, uh, or any service job, which dentistry is essentially a, a service job, right? Being a dentist involves you being a customer service rep to your patient and, you know, fixing problems. So for me, it's a lot of fun, but I know people who have gone through dentist school and honestly don't enjoy dentistry. Mm. And for them, I honestly have heard that you know, I've, I've heard regrets. Like, people say that they have regretted going to them and becoming a dentist and going through this entire process and they don't find that it's worth it. So I can't say that it's all rosy and say that, oh, yeah, you know, like, it's it's the great job and, and you'll love it by the end of it, right? Because the truth is that I know people who don't love it, who don't enjoy doing it. And I will say for myself, I really do enjoy doing it. And it's rewarding for me, but I can't say to everyone that it would be. That's just the honest truth. Yeah, yeah and then building on top of what uh, Kevin was saying is that, like, dentistry is very rewarding, though, but there's a lot of other ways that you can, you know, get from it, too. So, but um, this is why, like, shadowing and making into dental offices and just making sure that this is the right path for you. Because, like, there's other ways, there's so many paths that you can take in your career. But, but yeah, so, like, yeah, just I say just take your time before you choose this path. I agree with the shadowing part, and 
I think that's so important because I feel like in every field, especially in healthcare, right? Like I've been working in the hospital for the past years and you see new grads really don't want to be there. They have no idea what they got into because clinical during a school program is different from when you're actually working. The, working it really is, yeah. They're working in your own time, being super buddy. That's why shadowing is so important because that's how you know that the lifestyle, what, what the lifestyle you're trying to get. I come from a teaching hospital, so I see medical, I see nursing, see resident parents. And it's so obvious. One of them don't even want to touch anything. <laughs> they don't even want to go to the parents' room. So what would be your biggest advice for a student pursue this field of dentistry, whether it's pre-dental or a dental student? So I would say, you know, I, I said this to a, somebody who asked me, like, what they should do in general, right? Like somebody who was kind of like looking at different paths. And I would say, like, there are so many doors and paths that you can take out there, right? There's literally infinite doors that, that you can take out there. And the only way to really understand what the outcomes may be is to try your best to look like behind that, like each of those doors and those doors that you're interested in, right? And so if you're interested in one path like dentistry, then you have to try your best to look behind that door and see what is behind it, right? And that includes shadowing, trying it out, you know, talking to people who are in it and just trying to see what it is behind that door before you try to open that door, right? Because if you try to open that door without understanding what's behind it, then you may be wasting your time. You might find that you put a lot of effort and energy to open that door and you don't enjoy what's behind it, right? So that's kind of like an analogy that I like to give to people. The more you can see behind each door, the better off you'll be when trying to decide which one you really want to, you know, put effort into opening. And I also wanted to add, I think this is also this question will have a lot of bearing more on Tate, I guess, because started even before the pandemic, right? And then Kevin started right during the pandemic. Like right into the pandemic. Yeah, right pandemic. But also ask you both, has the pandemic do you think changed dentistry? Because what I was thinking, well actually I my tooth got my every child got infected. That's when the pandemic was starting and it was like so bad here in New York. And I was having like us and my gut. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's an emergency. I need to <laughs> find a dentist. And it was like, a dentist because everyone is closed. And we know that COVID is like respiratory droplets and in the nose, in the mouth, which is <laughs> which epicenter expertise. How did that change dentistry and the how not just the practice itself, but also the whole mentality behind it. Like, make go into a patient's room, and I'm gonna be opening up mouth, and there's COVID everywhere. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember when COVID first hit the country. Uh, so in Washington, um, we got all dentists pretty much just got shut down. Like there was a mandate when I says sorry, and dentists can't we until we figure out what's going on. Like we have only like emergencies only, which means like unless it's tooth pain or like swelling there like we had to, and plus all the ppe was going to the front line at the time so so for me i lost my work hours and then like um during that time 
we were we didn't know what this virus was and how it was spreading but um and we're wondering okay are our current face masks even going to save us from this so you know like it was a mad dash to find all these alternatives to like for face masks so n95 we're blowing it so then we thought of ways to like put a 3d mask over your face to so to make it air suction there we couldn't shake hands anymore the way we had to greet patients we had to shoot a one of those temperature things at their heads you know um <laughs> then mark and document everything there so definitely a lot of protocol changes and also like made us evaluate how do we greet patients you know i'm a very huggy we're all very shake hands and huggy people but to find other ways to like kind of like recon you know to kind of like rearrange that to find a new normal of how we interact with people um, was a big change for sure we've always been pretty uh pretty good on con cross-contaminating control but mostly that's the social as aspects were changed when we found out that through respiratory droplets and was confirmed that oh, it can be air. Was there fear involved though? Because uh, saliva is basically what you'll see all the time, right? Was there fear? Oh my gosh, I'm going to contract the virus because that's what I'm exposed to. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I remember I was on Instagram and then there's a story that said like, oh, dentists rank up highest in the list for getting getting uh, like contaminated with COVID and spreading. I'm like, Right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, well, and then hygienist too. So I remember, like, yeah, it just the whole profession just got, yeah. we got, we got creamed. Yeah. Kevin, you entered the workforce at the wrong time. I know. Yeah, it Kevin, strange. it was strange. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, I'm sure you didn't imagine like being in that school and you come, the pandemic comes in. How was your experience? It's like a newly minted dentist and uh, here's here's the virus for you <laughs> yeah so for me it hit back in march so i was actually still in school like i wasn't out of school yet by the time it hit and when it did hit it ended up basically canceling clinic so we were in clinic at that time so everything stopped for a while we, the school was just trying to figure out what to do so we had a lot of like online lectures for the meantime and by towards the end of school we started to come in a little bit but really we ended up graduating without finishing the majority of our cases if that means like we didn't get to wrap up the majority of things that we were supposed to do so as things went on uh we graduated in the midst of a pandemic didn't have a real graduation ended up doing an online one couldn't work because we weren't licensed as dentists yet and as um, we, we didn't get our certification through REV, which is like the exam that we have to take to get certified. So we ended up waiting a few months till understand we could understand what we were supposed to do. The school arranged for us to end up taking it in Loma Linda, um, at Loma Linda University, instead of at our school, which normally takes place. And that was because our school was in LA County, while Loma was in a different county. Ended up taking it there. And I, we couldn't work all the way up until about September of last year. So there was a big gap. It was about maybe uh, five or so months that we basically couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a strange time. But, you know, looking back, it was kind of a nice break, I guess, during uh, the midst of basically lockdown, you know? Yeah. 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 That was like the lockdown time. So 
it's not like we were, I don't know, Dynasty was in a weird state at that point anyways. So uh, to be real, it was kind of a good time for me to hunker down and just stay at home. And uh, just yeah. like everybody else, we were trying to figure out what was going on, uh, how to relive our lives in a, in a post-COVID world. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I would say I, I had a similar experience to most people. Yeah, no, like, during those times, I was like, where are the dentists? Because I to the dentist, and then she told me to go to an orthodontist or a one of the dentists again. And uh, I was like, nobody's open, though. Like, I make a Zoom call via ZocDoc with the, the dentist. And she's like, oh, yeah, I, I'm on the West Coast. Got away for, like, three Oh my gosh! And so she prescribed antibiotics. So the whole telling was really going on for time, but I'm glad it got resolved. When I started promoting my life, people were sending me with questions because I've always wanted just a dentist. A common question that we're asking: cavities. What cause cavities, and are they really bad if you don't build? <laughs> absolutely absolutely like um there's this uh yeah so yeah cavities are um there's actually a lot of things that cause cavities there but basically it's just the main thing that causes cavities is the acidity of your mouth uh, or the ph um then multiple things can cause this so the most often one is like when like you know sugar from food get gets eaten by the bacteria which you call strep mutans and then it gets converted to acid which lowers your acidity or acidic drinks and other things like that can like lower your the strength of the enamel as well so that's one for starts yeah there's so many things that cause cavities well another one that eventually can cause like it, essentially when your enamel which is like the hard outer shell of the tooth is compromised that always puts your tooth at risk for cavities right so even your tooth being rough or in areas where maybe it was worn away in an unnatural way, those areas are also more prone to cavities than others. Right? Uh, saliva is a huge thing that contributes to cavities if it's not sufficient, right? So saliva is a big thing because it has uh, natural buffers within it. So it keeps the pH of your teeth uh, healthy. If you don't have saliva, if your mouth is dry, whether it's due to medications, some sort of, there's conditions, health conditions that cause your saliva to dry up, that's a huge thing that causes cavities as well. Yeah. Oh, one more actually, and this was an interesting one. It can be abrasivity of a toothpaste actually. So like a certain toothpaste will have these things called RDAs or like relative dentin abrasiveness. So some teeth, like you'll see this in charcoal and the whitenings where it's like, but they, they, they try to put these particles where it's like they say, oh, if you brush really well with this, it'll like take clean your teeth off, like uh, it'll wipe off your stains. But you're actually brushing away the enamel, which is the whole protective thing of the tooth there. So um, not saying yeah. that toothpaste by itself will cause cavities, but it can lower the strength of it, which can make you more prone to getting cavities. So mm -hmm. interesting little finding. The second part of your question was, is it important for us to get them addressed, right? Like, it's really bad if we don't get them addressed. So I have a friend who is in a residency right now, and he told me a story of a patient who came in for infective endocarditis, which is basically a, a heart condition, right? Where an infection has taken over 
and infected areas of the heart. And upon examination, that infection actually started within their mouth. So that infection started from a cavity, which grew large enough to infect the nerve of that tooth, which traveled down into the roots of the tooth, into the bone of the tooth uh, that's holding the tooth, right? And that infection got large enough that the bacteria from it was able to spread down into the rest of their body, essentially. It becomes a systemic infection, right? Because the mouth and the oral cavity is a very vascular place. Like a lot of blood and vessels is running through your head and your jaw, right? So there's nidus for bacteria to enter and basically infect other areas of your body. So all of that is to say that's that's a very scary case because that patient ended up needing valve surgery, valve replacement surgeries, which obviously is incredibly invasive, incredibly expensive and, and life altering, right? Um, that's an extreme case, but it's something that happens, you know? It happens when people are not aware of their dental condition. And ever since my friend told me that story, I have taken more pride in doing the simple things in dentistry, like a simple filling, right? It doesn't seem like a lot to me because it's literally what we do all the time every day. But in a way, it's preventative dentistry and that's preventing that ultimate outcome, which which is could be a heart infection. Funny is I work in cardiac surgery and right, yeah. one of my patients on Saturday had infective endocarditis. Yeah, yeah. So infective endocarditis, we literally saw vegetation of bacteria all across the heart. And usually things that can cause infective endocarditis could be your trauma to the chest, like physical trauma to the chest, sometimes um illicit drugs and sometimes cavities. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's all related. I wanted to touch upon that charcoal paste. I, I think it's been around for a while. So as the actual expert of the teeth and the gum, is it a yay or a nay for you? Would you your patients? I, I would not. Um, like uh, I, My favorite analogy that I think of charcoal toothpaste is, let's say you have a, let's say you have a Mercedes and then you want to polish it. You, you're pol- and you polish it with sandpaper. That's kind of what you're doing to your tooth. Yeah. yeah. So you're just you're just grinding the it, so the the but I mean that thought process for someone who does it's you know it, it would sound like it would make sense like oh if you take away all the stained part it would remove it there but remove too much though you're gonna go yellow which is the dent the soft under area of the tooth there so yeah so eventually you would just wear it down where there's no more white to even remove and then that's when you get yellow teeth and sensitive teeth and decay so yeah. Essentially, from what I've seen, yeah, it, it has abrasive particles in it that are more effective at removing stains. So you'll probably see results if you have staining on your teeth. And it, it actually probably will make it whiter because it's literally taking off, like sanding off part of your teeth. But over time, just like he was talking about, that actually causes damage to your teeth. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I think in in moderation could be effective just for whitening, but I wouldn't do it more than a little bit, if that makes sense. Got it. But now that talking about yellow teeth, that's a question that a lot of people ask is, are yellow normal? Because um, I know Tate was how it was right. Uh, 
it'd be the actual kind of inner part of the teeth. But is yellow teeth ever normal though? Is that, is that the baseline of the human teeth? Hmm. It's kind of hard to answer that one because, like, uh, it just depends on, like, the. it could depend on a lot of things, like the age of the patient, what caused in the first place, and just, like, the genetics, like, um, with the patient, was a patient, like, born with a lot of, like, you know, like, thin enamel or with something this color up there. So, I uh, wouldn't, it's kind of hard to say whether it's normal or abnormal, though, because teeth aren't naturally white. They're actually a lot of colors. They're amber, they're blue in it. Um, so, yeah, I'd say, like, I have to take a look at some photos there, but I can't, even I don't know how, how to answer that. Uh, Kevin, what do you got? Yeah, I would say that's pretty much what I would say too. Normal is, is very subjective, right? Because normal for 60-year-olds is very different than normal for like 10-year-olds. Or normal for someone in Switzerland is very different than someone in, I don't know, Japan or something like that, right? So I would say... Everyone's baseline is different, but at some point, path pathologic, like pathologic yellowness, it happens in people for various reasons, right? Mm -hmm. It's present for many reasons. Like he was talking about, it could be natural staining from things that we eat, or it could be due to thin enamel, because underneath your enamel, there's yellow dentin, right? There's so many reasons why, but ultimately, whitening could be an effective treatment for most people and some people not mm -hmm. so is there a brand not fun is there a brand of whatever taste or whitening that you would personally recommend to your patients that you think are actually uh, not just safe but actually effective you know i'll say just in general rather than a brand my favorite whitening is just an opposite whitening uh, and the reason why is it's fast. Like, people can enjoy their results just, like, in front of me, in front of them. And it's typically, a, like, a two-hour session. You come in, we set you up uh, one hour's worth of whitening, essentially. Like, four sessions of 15 minutes. And then we break it down. And it's an awesome experience for patients because, like I was talking about, it's like emotional dentistry, right? It takes... It invokes emotionalism. And for them to be able to see it in real time, it's just a really cool experience for people, right? For them to be able to see, oh, we started with this shape, and we'll show it to them. We'll, we'll take a look, show it in the mirror. Oh, where, where are we right now? And then after an hour session, where do we end up? And to see them actually look at it and say, oh, shoot, that made a huge difference. Like, I, I think it's just an experience that people should have. Although... At home whitening works really well. It's something that takes a lot longer. Except you might not know. Or, yeah. Strips, strips work. Yeah. Strips definitely work. But if you're not careful with it, it can kind of get onto your gums and it can be sensitive at times. And for gums, how sensitive are the gums? A, a few people have asked how much bleeding from the gums is turning and would warrant someone to be like, oh, I need to go to the dentist. Hard answer though, but just like whenever there's gums that are bleeding, though, it's just an indication that there's inflammation that's causing it. So whether it's like your systemic health, your medications, you're pregnant, or if you're mouth breathing and just or just trick on this oral hygiene, that can cause bleeding there. So, but preferably you want to like uh, make sure your gums are in good health and your teeth are in good health before you go for whitening. So that's why there's like a little meme or joke of people of like patients like, oh, I just want whitening when there's a lot of you know 
oral health is needs addressing there. So I would definitely recommend um, getting your gingival health under order before going for whitening. Otherwise, we won't have any teeth whitening. Hmm. But there was a question, uh, which is very interesting. I didn't start receiving them until today. <laughs> I received 20 of these questions. It is the same exact question. And in the hindsight, this stand, I feel like white people kept from asking it until the day of. So there was a viral TikTok a few months ago <laughs> um, where, where a dentist is saying that they can tell if their patient has, um, has had oral sex and <laughs> Kevin's like, had oral sex. How is that viral? Um, actually, oh man, yeah. Here, I have the answer for that. Just wait right here. I'm gonna, I'm going deep for this one here. So. Literally, like twenty or twenty-five people ask this. Like, that's a lot. That's five. A lot. Okay. I think they held <laughs> off oh, until we first started. No, I, I'm gonna be honest. I have no idea. Like, I, I've never looked for that. And I don't even know what I would look for if I were looking for that. <laughs> so I'll I'll pass it on to Tate. <laughs> he seems to have uh, an answer for this. Yeah. So um, starts with a P, but like um, yeah. So basically, what it is like, yeah. I mean, I don't know even who even like came like would just. I don't know what kind of person would just went to every single patient, made a scientific study. Looked in back and looked for like red dots in the back of the throat. Kind of shade. But yeah, anyways, yeah, there is there is an actual legit like finding where it's like yes, you can tell you can tell you could assume that somebody was doing it if they were let's say like had something in the back of their throat. But I mean, I don't judge. I mean, I'm not looking in the back <laughs> of the throat and saying, oh, you had a hot dog or something or you know, it's a to me the whole concept is like I'm not even going to question that. Like if I see something suspicious refer to old surgeon i'm not gonna but who's gonna biopsy that you know yeah i guess the, I, I feel like the comment uh on that viral tiktok was like oh my god so my dentist has been judging me this whole time <laughs> <laughs> this whole time I, my dentist knew well there was pieces of that in school so uh, i don't know if i would look for that <laughs> Maybe if they did, if that was part of a lecture, it yeah. make people listen more. Yeah. No, for real, I, I feel like if they taught us that in school, it could be helpful. Because that's part of pathology, right? That's mm -hmm. part of uh, oral path. And unfortunately, they didn't bring it up. So I don't know how to answer that question. They look like he's studying. He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm determined to find this because I know the TikTok you're talking about, and I remember like, <laughs> saying that. Like, I remember just going through my old pathology book. Like, oh, this was on a TikTok. So, yeah, um, I guess I viral TikTok, and then a video response to it, which I think someone asked their mom, who's a dental hygienist. She confirmed it too. So I was like, well, I guess, I guess it's real. Hang on, I'll get this. Oh my gosh! I'm here to get this. Tate is determined to educate us today about as Kevin said. Oh, Petechia, Petechia, yeah, yeah, Petechia, yes. Petechia, yeah, okay. Petechia are there's so many reasons they could be there. It's not like exclusive to oral sex. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so I don't to be honest, I don't even know why it's even in the textbook. It's like they should just say it's like they say like, hey, if you see something like this, if you see this dot, it just means that some physical object just caused disruption in the underlying exactly, uh, yeah. like uh, capillaries. Like like so it's yeah. like and then whose business is it to know like what you you know, what you've done there. You know? <laughs> it could be something else. It right. Yeah. I don't know. You stick your finger there. Yeah, all maybe, the time. maybe I was like, trying to dig for a tonsil okay. stone back there. You know? Yeah. Like, some people, oh, you know, like to like I don't know, like touch. Oh my god! I saw the yeah, I, I saw the videos about tonsil stones. And would you also extract that as well? Uh, or? Um, we'll refer that. Oh, yeah, 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 if it's like a big one, know. it requires like an incision. Though I, I refer that one there, but but I've seen some people like get like a you know stick and then like fish it out there. I don't do as a procedure that I charge for or even have confidence say what's removed at all. But if it's staying like there, you could reach it then, you know, yeah, use a Q-stick, be careful, but nothing I, I even would do. Well, thank you so much for answering the questions that were submitted. I think the last question I want to ask both of you, for sure your job is so stressful and quite stressful because you're in charge of this person's health, right? And their well-being. How do you compress out of work? Like after the done, what what how do you relax from work oh music festivals me too <laughs> yeah to be honest yeah. las vegas ultra miami yeah i'll be there yeah um, yeah i mean like I, I think for both of us i, I don't know i, I don't want to speak for you but like music is a, a big part of my life like I've, i played piano since i was like seven years old grew up from like classical music into you know a multitude of, of genres, you know? Uh, but, yeah, I would say I'm pretty diverse as far as what I listen to, but for both of us, I would say EDM is probably, like, our favorite thing. Like, I like being in within it. I like listening to it. I like talking about it. I like making it. I like listening to it. I don't know. Probably the same for you, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. See, I didn't get into EDM music festivals until dental school. Like, I was very sheltered growing up. And, you know, in Hawaii, I didn't know what, who Dylan Francis was or whatever. I knew Zed, but I didn't even know those festivals existed. But, yeah, live music, it's um, you need to have some sort of, like, uh, release. Um, you know, like, a lot of people, like, I used to think that I could be the type to just go and just hammer through everything, not take breaks and stuff like that. But, um, I don't know, just it changed my life. And it was, it's it's, I don't know, it's a way for you also to make friends outside your profession, too. So that's another benefit of oh, going yeah. out, getting out there. Yeah. I found patience going out. <laughs> Just, like, literally in a crowd, I'll talk to, like, random people. And I'm sure you have, too, yeah? I saw, I saw your uh, reel. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah no, I saw I guess I... one where you, like, talk to, like, people and made them your patients. Same thing. Like, I'll go out and just, like, start conversations with, like, random people and tell them I'm a dentist. And I've, I've had them literally come to me and become my patients. So it's a cool, like, space just to, uh, to, like, be and meet people. And uh, I don't know. It, I find it fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, like, uh, the comments I received from so... <laughs> It got um it got reshared on the iHeart Raves page and then I was reading the comment and I was like, 
a part of me was actually really freaked out. I was like, oh, great. I didn't expect this to get reshared. And I was afraid I was going to get like shunned by society. Like, oh, there's a Dennis who raised. But <laughs> the, re the reception was actually quite positive. Like, hey, well, he's it's very humanizing to see a doctor doing that there. And a lot of dental students and even dentists reach out saying, oh, my God, thank you so much for doing that there. Like, um, you know, because going out, going out having fun is somewhat stigmatized, you know for less mm. professionals, but they said that to know that they're, we're out there in the community makes us really even more trustworthy. And um, yeah. I even got some stories of, yeah, like of other dentists going out to music vessels, finding patients. And one of them even did, you know, a third molar extraction on the patient. And then at the rate, like, hey, how's your tooth doing? And did they get down there. So a lot of crazy <laughs> stories there, but um, I gotta say that, yeah, it's honestly just, yeah, be human, go live your life. You know, there's more life than just school and, being at the yeah. office too. Yeah. It's funny because every dentist that I know loves music festivals. Is this like a requirement <laughs> as a oh. DAT? <laughs> there's a there's a there's a huge community of just like of just healthcare providers. Nurse tons of nurses actually a lot too. So Chris, uh, I'm surprised like have you pet I've when's when were you gonna go to your first uh, festival? Look I've never been to a festival but I am ready. I I'm gonna go with both of you. So, right. mm. Kevin, Kevin, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta take this guy out, man. Well, I'm gonna see Tate in like what? I'm gonna be in Seattle in um in three weeks, right? In two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, um, not sure what. Oh. I'm not sure what big. If there's a usually in weekends, there's like a, some sort of artist who's coming though. It won't be like a yes. big event or rave or something, but um. Well, let's go be to a music festival one day. Will be. Yeah, Kevin, what uh, what festival should we take uh, Chris to? <laughs> We're gonna go big for our first one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't one? know if you can handle. <laughs> oh, you can handle. Um, but Chris, you're in you're in uh East Coast, right? Yeah. Okay, so here's some suggestions I have. Um, that are on the East Coast there. Um, Ezu. Uh, that's that's in um, I think that's in New York, right? I'm not sure. I I've heard Ezu since forever. <laughs> Um, I've never been. So okay. you can't handle. I can't handle it. No, you can <laughs> handle. It just you can if you can, if you can stay up like all all those late nights of seeing of seeing patients and studying for Okim, you can survive a night of a, a music festival. That's true. You just got you just gotta just dive right in, man. And well, I, I can't I even have nurse friends who even like take you on your first one. Oh my gosh! Someone said <laughs> you out of the club. Get out of here. That's not true. <laughs> All right. Well, it has been so fun, and I can't wait until we go to the festival. Well, my first festival with both of you. And thank you so much for being It's been so fun. I learned a lot. And everyone, please have these filled. <laughs> <laughs> and don't worry, uh, one's judging you, even if you've been doing the Gok Gok 3000, whatever you call it. <laughs> thank you so much for joining yeah, thank, yeah, you. thank you so much Bye. for organizing this, Chris. Bye. Bye. All right, have a good Bye. night.